to be able to uh, share uh, this message with you today from God's Word. And uh, as you kind of uh, prepare your hearts, just a reminder about the, the gold sheet in your service folder, if that can be of help to not only follow, but also to uh, remember the, the wonderful truths of God that we studied today. I pray that it, it can be a blessing to you. A couple of uh, months ago, I needed to change the uh, filters on our water purification system, which, uh, because I do it so rarely, it always is somewhat of a stress because I can't always remember um, exactly how to do it. And I uh, took a bucket, went downstairs in the basement where the unit is to, to go to work, and I first began by turning off the valves that um, I thought were the ones that would make the water stop flowing. And uh, then I went to the uh, first encasement for the three filters and tried to turn it, and um, it wouldn't budge. And uh, knowing, you know, just how strong I am, um, I uh, figured there had to be something else going on with the filter. And I think what happens is that as the water system sort of uh, is in use, that there's a pressure that builds up inside there. So especially that first one is really hard, and I couldn't do it. I called my father-in-law, what's up? You know, why is this not moving? He said, there's a special tool. I said, should have told me that earlier. I think I threw it away. Um, and then I remembered that I have this tool for removing a stubborn oil filter from the car that's kind of the same size. So I went to get that. Thankfully, it fit around there, and I, you know, even with just a quarter of the force, turned it and it moved. Mission accomplished, right? Problem solved, kind of. The fun was just beginning, though, because at that moment as I turned it, water just starts spraying out of the filter. You know when you uh, have a two-liter bottle of soda and you drop it and then you turn the cap and what happens? You know, take that times 10, okay, because it's about 10 times as big, and water is going everywhere on me, in the utility room. I might need some new drywall. I don't know, Brad. Um, it's just everywhere. Take the filter off. <laughs> the water keeps flowing because the valves I turned weren't the right ones, okay? So water's now flowing in the bucket, and it's now starting to, you know, overflow the bucket. And I'm stuck there. I don't know what to do because I don't even know how to turn the water off because now I have the filter off. Thankfully... It occurred to me that the main valve for all the water to the house was just around the corner, and that's finally what I needed to do to stop the overflow and then fix it later. You can never really plan for an overflow, can you? I mean, that's the kind of the definition of an overflow. It's something you weren't expecting. That's why it overflowed, right? Otherwise, you'd have been prepared for it. Maybe you've had an overflow of water like that or something else. But this series called Overflow is talking about something a lot different than water. It's talking about blessings. We're talking about an overflow of blessings that in sometimes we're not even prepared for it. There's more than what we could have imagined. What we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to look at just three verses, about one a week, that Pastor Paul in the Old New Testament in the first century wrote to his pastor protege named Timothy. And as he writes in what has come to be known as 1 Timothy, he writes to Timothy about some words 
some directions that Paul wants Timothy to share just with people who live in an overflow. That in case you might ever have an overflow or are in an overflow right now, here are some words that can prepare you so that your overflow doesn't mess up your utility room. So that you're prepared with the right direction if you'd ever come into a situation where there might be an overflow. So in fact, this is how this whole section starts, these three verses, with this phrase. It's kind of a designation. Paul writes, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world. So we're not talking about rich spiritually here. Rich in this present world. And when you get to the fuller context that we'll get to as well over these next weeks, you'll see it's talking about financial blessings. This section is for rich people. People who have an overflow of financial blessings. And at this point, you're thinking, you know what, good, I don't need to come for three weeks because that's not me. I've never thought about myself being rich. I know I'm not rich. This sermon series has nothing to do with me. Now, I'll acknowledge that as we would, if we would go around the room, we all are in different financial situations. And some of us maybe are really struggling financially, and there might be a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes maybe some of our own doing, right? Sometimes. Some of us maybe feel it's very tight because expenses have grown. It's this thing of it with kids. They don't get smaller and eat less. They get bigger and eat more. So just the grocery bill becomes bigger. And then activities that cost money, right? And, and maybe your kids are in college or, or, uh, or St. Croix and there's money to, needed to uh, pay those tuition bills and that gets to be a little bit more than what had been for expenses. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a wedding that you're wanting to pay for. A college, like I said, for an older child. So maybe expenses are growing or maybe, maybe it's that... The income is less. Maybe you've just retired and getting adjusted to that. Or maybe it's that you've lost a job. Or maybe you're just out of college and you haven't quite got the job that you're looking for or still trying to build up that job. And I think a lot of us, all of us, if I were to ask you, raise your hand if you're rich, none of us would raise our hand. interesting. There was a, a poll done by Gallup a few years ago trying to determine when does a person financially cross the line from not rich to rich. So basically, at what point financially is someone rich? And they found some interesting conclusions that I don't think is going to be a surprise to you, but I think it's very insightful. They never found it. Because every group they talked to always felt that it was the next group ahead of them, financially, that were the rich ones. So when they talked to people that made a household income of about $30,000 a year, the average that they came back with is if we made seventy dollars to $75,000, then we'd be rich. So then when they went and talked to people who made seventy dollars to $75,000 a year, of course they would have said, yeah, I'm rich. No, that's not what they said. 
They said, you know, if I make a household income of, again, it was about double, $150,000, then, then I'd be rich. And $150,000 a year, people, didn't feel that they were rich. And on and on and on. It's funny. Everyone knows someone who's rich, but no one's rich. <laughs> because the lion always moves. And when you, we're blessed with more, the sinful human nature is to take that for granted and to think that we need more. Can I, uh, instead of talking about feelings, let me give you some facts for a moment that we can't argue with because they're just facts. If your household income is $20,000 or more a year, 20000 you are in the top 10% of wage earners in the entire world. If your household income is between 40 and 45, and if you look online, the median income, and I know many of us probably don't make this, but the median income in Lakeville is 90000 But if you just make half that household, you're in the top 1% of the entire world's wage earners. I know some rich people that have rooms in their homes that no one lives in. It's called the guest room. It's just there just in case they might have a guest. An entire room, not even used, just on the possibility once or twice a year someone might use it. I know some rich people who have garbage disposals that eat better than villages in some small poor countries. I know some rich people that take drinking water that sometimes people have to walk miles for in Africa, don't have any water that's clean, and they take the water and they uh, sort of spray it all over the grass to keep it green. You know any rich people like that? I'm one of them sometimes. It's nothing that we need to feel bad about, but we should feel is a way we don't feel very often. <laughs> We're rich. We live in an overflow of blessings. And if you're not quite convinced yet, maybe biblically, that can help. Because right before these verses, in the first part of 1 Timothy chapter 6, there's this verse in verse 8, where Timothy is being told, and Paul is writing first about contentment, and he says to Timothy, if we have food and clothing, <laughs> we'll be content with that. Now, that's not American. <laughs> if we have food for the day and some clothes to wear, we'll be content. None of us would probably be content if that's all that we had, because we all have more than that. And then he follows up with then, and then there's these people who are rich. <laughs> if you had food and clothing, be content. And then there's these rich people that have more than that. So there's a couple fill-ins there that I think might be helpful. If I have food and clothing, I'm blessed with exactly what I need. And biblically, 
the definition of rich, don't think about it in terms of a dollar amount. If I have more than I need, then I'm rich. If I have food and clothing, that's what the Lord has promised. I'm blessed. If I have the things I need for the day. If I have more than that, if I have two sets of clothing and food in my pantry left over after I eat for the day, I'm rich. I am living in an overflow of riches. Do you know any rich people? Now, here's the reason why we don't feel rich. And I am as guilty of it as you. Is that, and we talked about this this summer in one of the messages, that wealth is like an appetite. And the more that you have, the more that you think that I think I need. But do we really need it? Because guess what? You lived 10 years ago with probably less income than you have now, right? But all of a sudden, you, you still, 10 years later, don't feel rich because as our wealth grows, as God gives it to us, so are the things that we think we need. More, bigger, better, more, bigger, better, more, bigger, better, right? And again, there's not necessarily anything inherently wrong with having nice things. But understand that sometimes the reason why you feel so poor is because your lifestyle has grown to something that you can't sustain. It's not that you're in need. It's that we have more than we need. You know what some rich people, rich people do weird things. Um, there's this word that rich people use sometimes. It's called upgrade. It's used in a lot of different ways. But rich people have this need to upgrade. And so they'll take something that works just fine and they'll buy another thing that does the exact same thing but it's just newer and a little lighter or sleeker or maybe a little faster. So, you know, they'll stand in line for a brand new iPhone while texting and Facebooking on the iPhone they already have that works just fine <laughs> to upgrade. And now they've got another one that works just like the last one, right? These are rich people problems. If you're not rich, you don't use the word upgrade, right? Or, or do you know any rich people that have this capacity that they'll see their bathroom that has a toilet and a shower and a sink that work great and a kitchen that has countertops and, and a, a, an oven and a refrigerator that cools things and holds the, the countertops hold things. It doesn't collapse. But then they think, you know what, I... I need a different one. And so they take out the toilet and the sink and the shower and the, the fridge. You, you know what I'm talking about? And I think it's called remodel. And then they take all this stuff out. It works perfectly fine. And they're stressed for three, four months. And, you know, dear, when are you going to get this done? There's all this dust everywhere, you know? And, and then they put all the same stuff back in there that works exactly the same. It just looks a little bit different. But it's the exact same thing. It, these are rich people problems. Hmm? How about this? I've seen this. You stand in front, I might have even done this. You stand in front of a closet, and you're going out or going to church, and, and there's clothes everywhere. And then what, what do you say? I don't have anything to wear. If I have food and clothing, I'm blessed. If I have more than that, I'm rich. What are you? Do you have everything you need? 
we have more than that? We're rich. And, you know, I, I don't see any of you, like, stand up. Hey, I woke up this morning, I thought I was poor, and now, I, praise the Lord, I'm rich. <laughs> it's because we don't feel rich at times. Because we're not reminded about how truly blessed we are. I was talking to a member after church last night, and he said, you know what? This message really came home to me when I went over to the Far East and saw how some people in third world countries live. And you come home, and you see what you have, and you see how you buy a home, and, and, and you're not satisfied because it's not in the right neighborhood, and you just came away from a place where they'd be happy to have a home in any neighborhood. And so Paul goes on to Timothy. You're not going to leave the series, right? Is this for you at this point, I hope? And he says, command those who are rich in this present world. And then, because as we talked about in my basement, it's better if you could know that an overflow is coming, because then you could prepare for it, right? It, you're living in an overflow? Paul starts to give direction. We'll look at it more next week, but here's a little bit in verse 17. He says, those who are rich, don't be arrogant. Isn't that a temptation? Isn't it a temptation that when you have more than you need to start forgetting that it came from God and to become arrogant and, and at times to think that, you know what, I've done pretty well for myself. And yes, God uses our gifts and talents and he wants us to use them to the fullest capacity. But at the end of the day, that Deuteronomy passage reminds us, next one, Julie, um, that we looked at earlier. Remember the Lord your God. It is he who gave you those things. And we have some super gifted, hardworking people in this room and in this church. But you don't have what you have because you're gifted and hardworking at the end of the day. The hardest working guy I know is my grandfather. He worked so hard. Most people I know have more than he does. It's, it's not how smart you are or how hardworking you are or how gifted you are. That's the reason why you have what you have because there are people that work harder and have less and work less hard and have more. It's God, the giver of all that we have. And if you're a rich person living in the overflow of blessing, it's really easy to think and to become arrogant. Paul writes, don't be arrogant. And then he says, next verse, don't be arrogant or connected to that. Put your hope in wealth. Find your security in wealth, but which is so uncertain. But to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's this thing that happens when we have more than we need for each day. Your hope shifts from God's provision to how much is in the bank for retirement or security or whatever. And it is good to plan, and it is good to be, it is, it is uh, uh, godly to plan for the future. But don't put your hope in that. One little dip or big dip of the stock market and your retirement might be gone, right? So plan, but where do you put your hope? We put our hope in God. And when you have very little, 
like the widow in the Old Testament who every day just had to, the, the, the oil was gone in her jar, and the next day God filled it up. When you have very little, it's easy to trust in God because that's all that you got. When you have much, how easy it is to shift your security, your hope, on the things that you've collected. That is those green things called money that we put in our bank account. God says, put your hope not in those pieces of paper. Find your security in the giver of all that you have. In fact, Solomon, who was one of the, the richest people who ever lived and one of the smartest, he wrote through the inspiration of God this in Proverbs. The wealth of the rich is their fortified, guarded city. And they imagine their wealth because it's not true. They imagine their wealth because it won't work. They imagine it to be an unscalable wall. Their wealth, the rich, becomes their security and the thing that makes them feel secure for the future. Do you know how much money you'd need to be totally secure for anything that could happen into the future? I have the answer for you. You know what it is? I know it's true for every one of you. The answer of how much you'd need is more than you currently have. Because we all feel like we need more. It's more than we, what we currently have. Paul says, you live in an overflow of blessings. There's a temptation to be arrogant. There's a temptation to shift our trust I want to warn you, when the blessings come so much that they overflow your bucket, don't put your trust in that stuff. Find your security in God. Why would you put, why would we put our hope in the things that he gives when we have the Heavenly Father who is the one who gave it all to us and by the way, loves us and has promised to take care of us and so, in the New Testament, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about your food and clothes. He, no, he doesn't say don't plan. But he says, don't worry. Shift your trust and focus on me. And there is no way that we can stop here talking about the overflow of blessings without considering the most important way that we're rich. And Paul writes about that in a letter to the Corinthians. Writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is the undeserved love, though he was rich, that is, he was in heaven, he had everything, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he came to this earth and he became poor, so that you, through his poverty and his sacrifice and his substitution for us, so that we might become the point is, if you have nothing at all, which that's not true for any of us, but if you had nothing physically at all, you would still have this cup, this bucket, overflowing with blessings because we have that which we need the most. We're rich, Paul says, in an entirely different way because we have this inheritance that Peter writes will never spoil or fade or go away, an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. 
And so we can feel absolutely confident and secure no matter what financial blips we're going through because God, the giver, loves us and takes care of us. So as we leave today, don't forget who you are. I, uh, the last 10 years or so, have had a chance to play men's league basketball over at Century Junior High. And last couple years, it's been hard for me to get there because of Bible class and things. But it's really interesting. You go to these games, and they're 20, 30, 40-something guys. And sometimes you run into a team made up of guys that um, have forgotten who they are. Um, they think that they're in the NBA and that they're trying to relive their glory years and that these games actually matter for more than just exercise, right? And so they forget who they are, and they start saying words that you don't say in church, and they start acting in ways that uh, um, they shouldn't, and that even at times causes someone like me to have to go to urgent care to get uh, stitches in my head uh, like six, seven years ago, because people forget who they are. And it changes the way that I'd like to just come up to some of those guys, and I won't do this, but say, you know what? You know who you are? You're not Dwayne Wade. You, you're not LeBron. You're, you're a dad. You work at the bank, you, you, which is great, but you're not an NBA basketball player, right? Don't forget who you are. Not in an arrogant way, but in a gratitude and thankful way. Remember, you're rich. No matter what you think you need, you have more than what you need. You're rich. We live in an overflow of blessings, really. We'll continue next week. Let's close with prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the overflow of, of blessing that you've given to each one of us. And yes, there are maybe some things that, that we want. We have food and clothing, Lord. Help us to be content with that. And then whatever our extra is, help us to take care of it in a godly way. Help us to have godly priorities in the way that we use the things that we have. Lord, as uh, we... Uh, come to you in prayer um, as this is uh, the last weekend that the Abramowskis will be with us. Uh, once again, we thank you for Steve's ministry among us and also Louise's. And just uh, as we've prayed many times, uh, we ask you to continue to guide and be with them in this next uh, chapter of their life. We also ask you to bless Bethlehem. And there will be blessings that come out of every situation. And, and Lord, we look forward to the future and the gospel ministry that we have to do together. Um, here in Lakeville and the surrounding communities. Lord, also we come to you in, in prayer and we'd ask that you be with our sister Jane Jabs as she's waiting on some um, health tests to be revealed and, and to know exactly what her health is right now. Um, she's a little bit worried, Lord. Help her to just find confidence in, in your provision, not only for this life, but especially for the life to come. And to, uh, we pray that this doctor's report comes back with some good news for her physical health. Lord, uh, we come to you in prayer, and we, in Jesus' name, and we continue by praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.